What do you think about as you're about to hit a golf ball 435 yards, winning the World Long Drive Championship on live TV in front of a grandstand of fans and all the pressure squarely on your shoulders? You know, everything in long drive, especially in a live TV event, is, you know, so fast. You got a, a shot clock that's three minutes, so literally a clock counting down right in front of you. You have basically the television crew there, which they're on live TV, they have windows to hit. So they're pushing you to go fast. You've got, you know, aggressive kind of fast music playing in the background. You've got, you know, um, inebriated fans yelling behind you. So everything is like quick, quick, quick. And so I think from a mental standpoint, some guys thrive off that. They use the adrenaline and they're able to do kind of like superhuman things kind of using that. So, you know, for me personally, I just try to kind of slow down a little bit so I don't get too quick. And um, other than that, just kind of try to simulate a practice environment. I kind of try to practice like it's a game. And in the game, I try to treat that like practice, if you will, from a mental side. Let's try to work usually like a little draw, you know, kind of pick a spot on the grid. But there were some things, you know, for me, I'll get a little bit, because I go to my right side so aggressively, a lot of times I don't get back to my left side. And you've, if you're going to transition your right side, you've got to get back to your left side. And that goes with starting the swing with your lower body. So, you know, if there was any type of swing thought, it was just getting back to my left side, transitioning the weight, um, and then just going after it. Today, we're going to learn how to become a world long drive champ with the 2017 champion, Justin James. From what he did growing up to how in just three years he went from rookie to champion. Let's get to it. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab, where we're trying to bring to light important research and concepts that you need to understand to improve your learning and performance. I'm your host, Cordy Walker, and thank you for tuning in again. I'm always interested to sit down with someone and learn how they got good from when they were a kid to the moment they decided, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. And that's the story we have today, one that I am excited to share. Before we get to that, a quick note from our sponsor, Body Track. Justin talks about how he uses the ground as a player. And on this post, we'll have a video breaking down how he uses the ground to hit it so far. If you enjoy learning about a player's relationship between their swing and the ground, make sure to check out their online course talking about this. It is absolutely amazing. It's some of the best education that I think you can go through online today. It's easy to digest and you'll have a better understanding after going through it. Find out more at golfsciencelab.com slash body track. And if you want to see an example of how the body track can be used, make sure to head over to the post that goes along with this episode and you'll see a breakdown of Justin on the body track mat talking about how he uses the ground. Have you always had a lot of speed and hit it far? Yeah. Um, and I attribute that to my dad. And my dad was a, he's two time world long drive champion. And so when I started playing golf, uh, I was just basically trying to keep it up with him. So from, you know, age three to 
age 27 now, I've been, you know, trying to keep it up with my dad and basically through all the stages of my development, you know, uh, with Titles Performance Institute, Greg Rose really lays out for like world-class athletes in terms of speed, in terms of power. There are speed windows that you have to hit. You know, let's say Usain Bolt, for example, he was training fast or sprinting when he was pre-adolescent, when he was an adolescent, when he was a teenager, when he was an adult. And I was basically, because my dad's long drive career lasted all through those stages with me, I hit all those speed windows. So, you know, uh, some of it was just, you know, I was very blessed because the environment I was in, but, you know, I was trying to, you know, my dad would hit it over the fence and then I would try to hit it over the fence. So, you know, that was basically my development in golf was ripping drivers. And uh, I was a lot more interested in a driver than I was in, uh, in wedges. So, so you'd, you'd literally just go out to the range or the practice area with your dad and just stand next to him and, and try to keep up. Yeah. I mean, I was in a, he, when I was a baby, I was in a carrier. He'd set me down behind him hitting balls. Cause that's when he babysit, you know, he'd go to the range and he'd hit balls. And when I was old enough to start whacking him, uh, he got me, you know, a little set of clubs and, you know, he was obviously one of the longest hitters in the world for, you know, my whole childhood. So I would just kind of try to do what dad did. And, you know, I still played regular golf and he raised me to be a golfer and not really a long driver. But, uh, you know, I, I naturally was just drawn to what he was doing. And so I just try to rip drivers. Do you remember, like, did he give you any advice? What was like the few things that he told you? Like, did he say like, this is how you grip the club or this is how you do this or that? Or was it just kind of like you just watched and tried to mimic what he was doing? Well, I definitely tried to mimic what he was doing to the to the point where I, when I began swinging a club, I did it left-handed because I was trying to mirror exactly what he was doing. So he turned me around and, you know, he taught me the grip. See, he's a PJ professional. So everything was very fundamentally sound, you know, correct grip, stance, alignment, posture. But, you know, one of the things I was very fortunate that he, I guess, encouraged me to do or didn't ever inhibit me from doing was swinging hard. And, you know, in the game of golf, there has been, unfortunately, this notion that's not really true on tour that, you know, you don't swing hard or you don't swing as hard to hit it further. And that's just not true. You know, and a lot of a lot of players struggle with that, especially when they get to the adult phase. They've never swung a golf club hard and then they lack distance. You know, the only way to to get the distance that we need to get ball speed is to get the club head speed. And the way you get the club head speed is by actually going out and swinging hard and kind of putting it into practice, you know, TPI, again, I've, I'm kind of mentored by a lot of these guys and Jason Zubek is a, a five-time world or maybe six-time world champion told me that one of the biggest problems he sees in golfers, they put this work into the gym and in the gym, but they never go out and actually try to apply it. They never go out and actually swing the driver hard. So if someone like Usain Bolt put all this work in, in the gym and he never ran a sprint on the track above 70%, well, he would not be fast, you know? So what my dad did was allow me to really swing hard and, and kind of, uh, you know, go after it. And as a result, when I was 13, 14, I was, you know, hitting the ball well over 300 yards and that eventually translated into a, a long drive career. Gotcha. But what other things were you doing in that kind of development years when you were able to hit it 300 at 13, 14 years old? Were you playing other sports? Were you in the gym with your dad? Like what, what were you doing? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was a baseball player point. So, you know, as I played college baseball and then I played uh, professional baseball, 
kind of had golf in my back pocket and I realized I was a right-handed pitcher and, uh, you know, realizing, okay, if I don't throw a hundred miles an hour, my career is not going to last very long. I knew golf, I was going to come back to it sooner or later. Did you have a lot of speed as a pitcher as well? Um, not really, not as much as I had, I had liked. And, you know, we've kind of went around trying to figure out why that was, but, you know, I obviously started golf earlier than I started baseball you know, started swinging a golf club as hard as I could earlier than I started throwing a baseball as hard as I could. But I was a, a low 90s guy at best. So, you know, obviously from the right side, that's not really not really going to cut it uh, in today's professional game. So Justin had this almost perfect development for long drive. His dad was a, a past competitor and a, one of the best in the world. He was around the sport all the time with lots of access. He was really athletic and involved with other sports, and he was trying to keep up with his dad. He had this goal and something that he was pushing for. Talk about the ideal learning environment. His environment was developing him to become athletic, to have a lot of speed, to hit it a long way. And let's be honest, we adapt to the environment or the situation that we're put into, whether that means building skills and being pushed to improve and be better or not. And in Justin's case, he was pushed to get better and he got better. He was trying to keep up with his dad. He was around golf. And I think it goes to show the power of it, the environment that we learn and that we develop in. Well, I grew up on a driving range. I didn't grow up on like a country club. So I didn't get to play as much, number one. And then and number two, I just, I kind of had like, honestly, like a lot of raw talent. It was hard for me growing up when I hit it. I mean, I hit it like 300 yards when I was 12. And not to sound, you know, haughty or, or cocky or whatever. It's almost like I was created in a lab because even, you know, I've been long driving for two years. My dad kind of sat me down when we we're all we're very calculated in what we do like we don't try to do anything halfway and that's just kind of the way i was raised he he was a two-time world champ he wrestled wwe he won the mr california bodybuilding championship so he got like this alpha kind of mentality that i was raised with and it's like if we're going to do something we're going to win so we kind of sat down and said okay this is exactly what we need to do to win uh the world long drive championship here's where you need to get to in terms of numbers this that uh and the other and then we just kind of sat down and totally behind the scenes started trying to work towards these numbers and then you know came out to a, the first competition did well and the second one did well and then just started rolling from there so um it was totally like his coaching from gosh age three that probably allowed me to do this justin played baseball as a pitcher in college and then he spent a few years with the blue jays he got released and justin and his dad were sitting around watching the world long drive championship when they made a decision, that decision was let's do this. Give it a hundred percent and see if Justin could win. I would imagine I could probably get my ball speed up to uh, a buck ninety, probably with. Uh, and I was using a, a forty-six inch driver, right? So, but even with a forty-eight, probably around one ninety, one eighty-five, one ninety when I started. And um, last year at the World Championships. My highest ball speed was 227, so come a long way. I think if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, how do I increase my ball speed? Question I get a lot, and honestly, it's, it's not that difficult to do. As I said before, most people don't ever go out and actually swing the driver hard. So I recommend to people get a little launch monitor. There's a couple affordable options now. Go out once a week to the driving range or your country club or whatever. 
tee up the driver and hit it as hard as you can for an hour or, or 30 minutes. And if you start at, let's say, 155 miles an hour, try to get to 160 that day. When you come back the next week, you'll probably start at, you know, 156. Try to get to 161. And what you're going to do as your, as your ball speed increases, you're going to kind of be able to see that instant feedback and see what 161 feels like, see what 165 feels like. And you literally teach yourself how to gain more power. And as you're doing that, you're basically creating a bigger engine. So it's a lot easier for a Ferrari to go 70 miles an hour than a Pinto or an old Toyota Corolla, right? There's a lot more wear and tear on the engine. So if you've created a bigger motor, all of a sudden you go out to the golf course and you can hit it 270 yards or 300 yards a lot easier than you did before with more control and more accuracy. Same thing with baseball, right? A lot of, uh, you know, Justin Verlander can throw a ball probably 105 miles an hour when he's really heated, but he pitches at, you know, 98 or 97 miles an hour. Rick Porcello was, you know, similar. He came out of high school throwing 100 miles an hour and he's like a 92, 93 mile an hour sinker guy. So this is the same thing we want to do. We just want to build a bigger motor. And that's in that period what I was trying to do so that I can get more speed. So it involves, you know, obviously the fitness work, but it requires you going out to the course and actually opening up the throttle and seeing what you got. Gotcha. I I think that makes a lot of sense. Is that time thing like an hour, half hour, is that trying to build an endurance thing or just like try to work up a bit of a sweat and actually get some movement going and it takes that long? Yeah, I think for, you know, most people, you know, you've got to do exactly that. You've got to build up the sweat because, you know, in your first 15 shots, you're not going to be that fast. You know, you've got to build up the sweat. You've got to kind of, you know, let yourself loosen up. And I find with most people, their top ball speed numbers are, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes into that session. And, uh, you know, that volume or, or those numbers are going to carry over, you know, just like if you went to the gym and, you got a good strength or, or power session in, you're going to get stronger and more powerful. It's the same thing you're going to do, you know, in kind of your, your speed session with your driver. And that in itself is, is a workout. Nobody's saying that you have to, you know, if you're listening to this, nobody's saying that you have to go to the golf course and swing 100%. But, you know, what I am saying is there are times, there are training sessions, you know, if you're going to practice your chipping, you know, if you, you want to get better at chipping, you go to the chipping green, you practice your chipping. If you want to learn to hit the ball further, you've got to teach yourself to hit the ball further. And then you can apply that on the golf course, you know, obviously with accuracy and shaping your shot. But ball speed's ball speed. And if you develop more ball speed, you're going to hit it farther with your driver. You're going to hit farther with your seven iron. You're going to be able to take less club, knock it down, shape it. You know, speed and power is better in any sport, no matter what. You know, I like to go out to TBI a couple times a year. You know, just get with Greg Rose, Dave Phillips, Jason Glass, you know, those guys, they're geniuses, right? So just pick their brain, see like what's new, and then just have them kind of, you know, take a look at my body and, and, and see where I'm at. So a couple mobility things, obviously mobility is an ever-developing issue. I was paying attention to that. So I'm like a little tight in my, uh, in my T-spine and kind of my rib cage. So we add in some stuff there. Your hips are always going to take a beating. So we kind of develop some hip mobility stuff for me to do. But then I'll jump on the 3D as well and just kind of, um, you know, make sure we're firing the right way in terms of kinetic sequencing. And, you know, 3D is going to pick up things that the naked eye can't see. So someone like Greg, who Greg Rose, who is as good at what he is as, as he is, basically just looks at the data and can tell what we're doing. 
So I rely on them a lot just to make sure, you know, everything is on track and good to go into the season. And then I'll kind of take that feedback, fly back to Florida and communicate that to, uh, you know, my dad and my team, you know, my therapist, stuff like that. And we'll continue to address and work on all that stuff. You're looking at your footwork and how you use the ground in that video. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's on the, on the mat there, your the pressure trace and, and what you're doing there has to be fascinating because you can't stay on the mat, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you work on a lot? Is is how you're using the ground and kind of your footwork? Is is that a focus for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't try to leave the ground. There's a misconception or I don't know, some long drivers may try to leave the ground, but you know, I don't consciously try to jump or let my left foot fly out or anything like that. But what's going on there is you know, I am loading or applying so much force into the ground that I have nowhere to go but up, right? Because every reaction, there's an equal reaction or, or whatever, Newton's laws or whatever. But, yeah. you know, when, you, uh, when you're basically applying that much force in the ground, the reaction is like that little jump. So I don't say I don't even feel myself do it. I try to stay, you know, I model myself. I, I try to swing like, you know, a tour player or like Rory McIlroy. You know, but I just swing so hard and apply so much force in the ground that you're going to see that footwork. So, you know, I guarantee you, if you went to Rory right now and you're like, Rory, you need to hit a 400 yard drive. Your life depends on it. You're going to see some of that footwork because he's going to load harder into his right side. He's going to kind of apply more pressure on the way down to get some more club head speed. And you'll, you'll see a little bit, you know, more of that footwork. So it's not something I consciously try to do other than, you know, I try to, again, through my training and through my technique, you know, throw a lot of pressure on the ground, really use my legs to drive through impact. Have you worked on that, on, on your, how you're using the ground? Is there anything that you've changed or that you've done differently there that's helped? Well, um, not other than, you know, kind of, again, if we go back to the kinematic sequence, we want to start the downswing with our lower body, right? You, I look at someone like Rory, I look at, you know, Tiger, especially old school Tiger. He's got like that squat to start the, the downswing, even like, you know, Ben Hogan. Top of his swing, kind of lower body starts, he's got that squat. That's something I've always tried to do. And, you know, that's something I address in training with different movements. And then technically, you know, as I'm training my golf swing, I try to, I do try to start the downswing with my lower body transitioning kind of the force through my feet into the ground and then as i come into impact it's coming back up to the ground into the the club head if that makes sense have you made any technique changes like as you as you think back to the past couple years is there any technique changes that you've made that have had the biggest gains for you or does anything stand out well i mean i'm trying to make a bigger turn obviously i would say getting to my right side is a huge thing you know when i am at the top of my backswing when I'm in a long drive competition, there's more than a hundred percent of my weight in my right foot. Cause I'm actually like all the weights on my right foot and then some, and you know, for, for people who think that, you know, you need to keep the lower body stable and, you know, create torque. It's just not as fast. And I'm sorry. And if you're listening to this and you think it is like, I've gone through it, but you won't find a long driver out there who keeps the, the lead heel down because it's it's just a more athletic move and it's a faster move to athletically transition your weight into your trail side and then transition that weight into the lead side through impact you know you see that in in every sport if i'm a pitcher i left my i lift my lead leg 
and then I throw the ball. If I'm, you know, in tennis, as I hit the shot, I transition to my rear side. And then, you know, my follow through, I transition to my lead leg. There's not a sport out there where you, you swing a club or where you uh, throw, a, throw an object where you're not athletically using your legs and transitioning your weight. So the idea that your weight in the golf swing is, you know, 50-50 and then you just kind of torque your upper body, not only is it not as fast, but, you know, I probably don't think it's is as healthy. And again, in a normal golf setting, I'm not advocating that you load 110% of your weight on your right side and swing as hard as you can. But I think that you'll find, you know, if you look at a lot of tour players, they load in their right side quite effectively. You see that through, you know, the body track data, you know, a significant load into the trail side. A lot of players move their head off the ball pretty drastically, uh, or if they keep their head quite still as they come into impact, their head moves back uh, pretty drastically. Golf is not, you know, we're not throwing darts. It's not a 50-50 stable game. It's an athletic game, and we need to load and kind of explode if you get, you know, athletically and, and thinking about other sports, and that's why it's important to play other sports growing up. And that's why my training program now, I still throw and I still try to do athletic things, sprinting, et cetera. So that transitions into, into my golf swing. So you've consciously thought that I need to get the pressure more on my right or my, my trail leg in the backswing. That's something that you've worked on? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I guarantee anybody listening right now, if they come to Florida and they work with me, I'll give them you know five miles an hour of ball speed in three minutes. Because I'll take them and they'll be, you know, stacked on their left side or they'll be keeping their weight, you know, 50-50 or 60-40. Say, okay, we're going to load weight into our right side. And when we do that, they're going to be able to use that trail side and then explode in their lead side. You know, if you can visually get that, just like a pitcher would, when they're on the mound, they lift their lead leg and then they fire down uh, the hill and throw the ball. We're doing that in our golf swing and when you do that you're going to swing the club faster because you've got more behind it when you swing the club faster you're going to pick up more ball speed it's really cool to hear what he's working on technique wise and i'm fascinated by his relationship between the ground you can learn more on this post we have a video of justin hitting some shots some of his data on body track the sponsor of this show i think you should check it out because it's really cool to see his swing in action and let's be honest it's just fun to watch him hit the ball that far it's pretty crazy because he's an athlete and it's an athletic motion and that's really important to justin that's my biggest thing the longest hitters in the world which are long drivers are athletes and then you do the same thing with your longest hitters on the tour i mean dustin johnson is pretty athletic dude i think rory's a pretty athletic dude Justin Thomas or whoever you want to look at, you know, the misconception in long drive is that you've got a bunch of guys who are in the gym six hours a day and then go to the driving range for an hour. It's really not the case. You just, you've got a bunch of former athletes. I mean, you know, I'm a former baseball player. Tim Burke is a former baseball player. Jamie Sedlowski is a former hockey player. Carl Walter is, uh, he was like a I think I don't know if he's a world champion, but he's a high-level javelin thrower. He's a, a former world long drive champion. Jason Zubek is a high, pretty high-level uh, Olympic weightlifter. So you've got athletes, and this athleticism enables them to hit the golf ball farther. So from an earlier age, like junior golfers would focus on being athletes more. They're going to be able to hit the golf ball further, and I think that's what you're seeing in this like new breed of PGA Tour player 
is these guys played more sports growing up. They're more focused on being athletes rather than just golfers. And as a result, the game of golf is changing and, you know, they're hitting it, you know, 300 yards with a, a three wood and carrying it 350 yards when they need to. And that's just the way golf's going. And uh, you can like it or not, but, you know, that's the way it's going. And if you don't train as an athlete, if you don't uh, consider yourself an athlete as a golfer, then you're going to get left behind. So uh, you mentioned like just going to the gym and the golf course back and forth is what most people I think about. They're just hitting the gym really hard. But what is kind of your ratio of, of how much time you spend in the gym? And maybe, I don't know, are you playing, doing other sports or other things like that and time you spend on the golf course? Is it like, are you equal? Are you half in the gym, half in the golf course? Are you spread out doing different things? Like what's kind of your... Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's not equal at all. I mean, I'll spend, uh, you know, if I'm like aggressive in season, I'll spend four days a week in the gym and that's, you know, an hour to two hours. I I really take my time in there. I'm probably lazier than I should be. I've got a TV. I'll I'll do, you know, I'll hit a set and, uh, everything I do is very high intensity, very quality, quality oriented, kind of hit it and quit it. You know, I I train more like an Olympic weightlifter than let's say a, a bodybuilder you know bodybuilders focus on hypertrophy 10 reps pumping the muscle and only weightlifter is just focused on snap movement and then rest so you know i'm just training for that extra one mile an hour extra three miles an hour so it's very quality it's very high intensity and i get in the gym and i get out you know last year i think i trained less in terms of time and overall effort than i'd Kind of ever had before, but I kind of changed what I was doing, uh, working with uh, David Weck at Weck Method out in San Diego. Some kind of interesting new stuff that you know I uh, he developed and, and I kind of implemented and developed, and you know some of that I'll keep secret because uh, I still have to compete against these monsters. So, but I think we're in a pretty good place now. Like again with my team, with you know the guys at TPI, David Weck, my dad, to where I'm being really efficient with my time. But, you know, I, I find that, you know, you're going to get better. And if you're listening to this, you're going to get better on the golf course. You know, you're not going to get better in the gym. The gym's going to allow you to get faster, to get stronger, certainly. But the main thing it's going to allow you to do is, is stay healthy on the golf course. The gym's going to be like your foundation of athleticism. But as far as actually building the house, you got to do that on the driving. You got to do that around the chipping green. You got to do that with putting. You know, it's not as if I put you on an exercise program and you weren't on the golf course anymore, you're going to drop five strokes, right? Or you're going to even hit the ball 10 yards further or 20 yards further. What I give you in the gym or what we do in terms of your fitness program is going to supplement what you're going to do on the course. And that's really with every sport, you know, strength and conditioning is going to allow you to get that foundation that you need to actually make those improvements and implement those improvements in your sport, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you're hitting the gym like that. How much time are you spending at the course then if you're spending maybe four days, one to two hours a, a day? Yeah. So let's say I'm in the gym for two hours on a Tuesday. I'll be on the course, you know, four to six hours or three, three to six hours. I don't know. You know, I don't really pay yeah. too much attention, but you know, on or at the golf course is, is where you're going to, you know, actually get your work done. So I don't know if that's a one to four ratio or, yeah. uh, two to three or whatever, but you know, that's about it. And for your craft, does that mean just staying at the range and hitting balls or is it playing golf? Well, I mean, I try to, I look, I I try to play quite a bit. I I think that, you know, playing golf 
having a strong golf background helps me quite a bit. But, you know, all long drives aren't the same. I mean, some of these guys are just pure freak athletes and they go to a driving range and all of a sudden they're clearing a 350 yard fence. So some guys have a, a golf background. Some guys don't necessarily. I do have a golf background, so I still try to play. I think that, again, that helps me being able to shape a seven iron, flight it, you know, draw it, cut it. I think helps me and translates into long drive. And like I said, I, I love working with a three wood to help with, you know, what I do with long drive. And then I, I will, you know, obviously uh, be asked to play in certain things. So, you know, I try to keep my game sharp, but it is challenging because, you know, when you if you have a, a session where you're at the gym for two hours and you come out to the driving range and, and really, uh, really challenge yourself, you know, working on ball speed and whatnot, you don't really feel like playing around the golf or even playing nine holes, but, you know, you kind of got to force yourself to do it to try to stay sharp. And uh, it's just really important to me to have a golf background to keep your game viable because, you know, for me, and this is totally a personal thing, but for me, if you can't play the game a lick or if I can't play the game at all, uh, long drive doesn't matter to me much. You know, I think the interesting appeal in long drive is taking what these guys do, taking what I do, having the golfer kind of look at that and say, okay, these guys' ball speeds are over 220 miles an hour. A PGA Tour ball speed is, you know, 165, 170 miles an hour on average. What are these guys doing differently? What can I take from a performance standpoint from these long drivers and what they're doing in the gym, what they're doing to take care of themselves? Why is their ball speed 50 or 60 miles an hour faster than you know, your average PGA tour player. So I try to relate, you know, everything I'm doing back to golf and I love the game of golf. I grew up in it and uh, it'll always be extremely important to me. So I try to play quite a bit. So I had to ask before we signed off with Justin, what is it like hitting shots during that championship when you're trying to win with all that pressure on you? What is going through your mind? Like what's the swing thought? Where are you at mentally? So that's what I did. You know, everything in long drive, especially in a live TV event, is, you know, so fast. You got a, a shot clock that's three minutes, so literally a clock counting down right in front of you. You have basically the television crew there, which they're on live TV. They have windows to hit, so they're pushing you to go fast. You've got, you know, aggressive kind of fast music playing in the background. You've got, you know, inebriated fans yelling behind you. So everything is like quick, quick, quick. And so I think from a mental standpoint, some guys thrive off that. They use the adrenaline and they're able to do kind of like superhuman things kind of using that. Same thing as like, you know, some, I'm a big MMA fan. Some fighters like get really hyped up and then some guys are just kind of level headed. So, you know, for me personally, I just try to kind of slow down a little bit so I don't get too quick. And um, other than that, just kind of try to simulate a practice environment. I kind of try to practice like it's, a game and in the game i try to treat that like practice if you will from a mental side did you have a swing thought did you have like something you were thinking as you were hitting the shots there in the final round yeah i you know um let's try to work usually like a little draw you know kind of pick a spot on the grid but there were some things you know for me i'll get a little bit because i go to my right side so aggressively a lot of times I don't get back to my left side. And you've, you're going to transition your right side. You've got to get back to your left side. And that goes with starting the swing with your lower body. So, you know, if there was any type of swing thought, it was just 
getting back to my left side, transitioning the weight, and then just going after it. So as you're standing over the ball, it's kind of what you're thinking about. All right, get back to the right side and then get through it. Sure. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit probably more technical than guys. I have a little OCD, so I, I will have swing thoughts, just things I kind of lock into. But um, I usually try to limit those just to, you know, for me, it's like, okay, let's take your, your butt towards the, towards the target or towards the, you know, the right side of the grid to kind of make sure you transition your weight. Um, you kind of lead with your hip and it'll be different things at different times of the year, depending on what I'm working on. I think, you know, much like a, a tour player, you see them, uh, tra- you know, rehearse different transition or different drills that they're working on. So it's kind of ever evolving and, uh, you try to try not to have too many things going through your head, but kind of just like one key thing before you hit that shot. And then you just try to kind of transition that take that into the shot so you can hit your best shot so i think there's another side of this is kind of like the state that that people get in during performance and not necessarily Ah. like what is happening but kind of the how and like the whole picture of it yeah could you describe maybe like maybe the state that you were in sure you know i mean what's nice about long drive is we've obviously got that grid right in front of us for me I, i just you know kind of try to eliminate all the external stuff around me, you know, when I was pitching, I, I kind of just, even with a, a crowd of 5,000 people just saw it's me and the catcher. Right. And that's kind of what I try to do when I'm, you know, on the golf course or especially with long drive, you know, there'll be a big crowd there. There'll be the music playing, but I try to just make it me and me and the grid. And that's clearly marked in front of me. And just kind of, if it's a picture, the only things that are clear are you and the grid and the rest is kind of in the background and, and kind of fuzzy. So, you know, early on when I was long driving, it was, uh, I was in my parents' living room with a launch monitor, a mat and a net. So that's a real small concentrated area. And, you know, I just try to kind of extend that to competition and just, you know, eliminate all the external stuff. It's me and the grid and you, know, you just got to hit your shot and that's all you can do. Give me a good plug. I saw that you've got some courses that you launched and stuff like that. Like, what do you have going on? What should people check out? Yeah, well, I'm just at justinjamesgolf.com. I'm just throwing up some content for people. I don't really have the capacity that I once did to like work with people one-on-one, right? If people ask me, hey, what are you doing here or there? Um, I've got a kettlebell course up there right now. It's very simple. I just shot it in like my parents. Uh, I still work out at my parents' house. So I basically set that sucker up exactly how I want it so I don't have to go to a gym and I'll cruise over there and work out. So I I shot that at their gym at like my facility, if you will. And um, it's just running through kettlebell like fundamentals, what I do, what you can add. If I get somebody swinging a kettlebell, I guarantee you uh, they're swinging it consistently. They're going to start to hit the golf ball further. It's an amazing piece of equipment. And it's very simple. You don't have to go join a 24-hour fitness. You can go down, buy a kettlebell, have it in your house, and do a really good workout You know, three, four times a week in you know, 20 or 30 minutes and see some really good results. So I've got that. I've got a, a fitness kind of fundamentals course on like what is golf fitness and some of the movements that we're thinking about. So I just I tried to throw some content up there for people um, to make myself available. And then obviously I'm at Justin James Golf on Instagram, Twitter, and I try to throw some stuff up there every once in a while for people to see as well. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to the podcast. Make sure to say thank you to Justin on Twitter, Instagram for sharing and hopping onto this interview and 
bringing so much information to the table. Please say thank you. Uh, reach out to him and let him know that you appreciate him sharing. If you're listening to this, you need to be a Golf Science Lab insider. We have a newsletter called The Dispatch, which goes out. It's a place where I can share unique things that I've been finding interesting around the world of golf. Head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider. Get on that email list so you get that and notifications on the content that comes out right away. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Public Production. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week.